Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode five. I am joined by a first-time guest of this pod, but not of any of our other pods. You know him as John Schmelk. He's at Schmelk on Twitter. John, how are you doing? Strick and Roll. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty good. Was, uh, was that your brainchild, or did you have somebody smarter come up with that for you? No, surprisingly, uh, I was lucid and sober one morning, and I came up with that. And not hungover? Yeah, exactly. Wow, shocking. Okay. Yes. I buy it. Yeah, it was like, you know, a real moment of clarity for me. (laughs) Um, Honestly, dude, show titles and podcast names are one of the, I I hate doing that, and that, that works. That's good. Yeah, I, I hate it. I And I'm actually terrible at it. I'm admittedly terrible at it. Um, somehow, I, I, I fluked into this, and um, that is going to be, that'll be like on my, um, it'll be part of my, you know, I pass away. They'll put that on my, my tombstone. Came up with a podcast title. Before we get started, I have to make the announcement of all announcements. Uh, the one I make every single episode now. Uh, we at the Strickland, have a Patreon now. Uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash thestrickland or on our homepage at thestrick.land. Pot Strickland on Mondays will remain free. Draft Strickland is free. Alex, Zach, and Matt's mail.bag, which we'll be uh, releasing again this week, is free. Uh, and we will likely be adding another podcast to the lineup, which will also be free moving forward. Things that are changing. Pot Strickland on Friday with me and Prez and my mailbag with Jeremy and Drew will be on the $6 tier and above. Uh, my solo pod uh, will be on the $9 tier, but the reason to actually subscribe to that tier is not to hear more of me ranting and raving. It is for exclusive weekly articles from Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best writers around in the Knicksverse. Uh, if you want even more access to us, you can join the $15, $30, $50, or $100 tiers, which include many benefits ranging from watch parties, sitting in on pod recordings, guest appearances on podcasts, and even hosting a podcast yourself where you can tell me I am a jackass. Uh, no matter what, if you are a Patreon or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And we're going to start talking about the Knicks now. John, I wanted to have you on here because uh, I figured, you know, to give you some a break from the misery that's the Giants, we could talk a little bit of the Knicks. Um, look, the Knicks have obviously not had a season that they wanted or expected to have. Uh, they're 13 and 17 right now. Everybody that like matters to the future of the team, aside from Julius Randle, uh, is in COVID protocol at the moment. So like, it's depressing on a lot of levels. Yep. Um, but I guess like, you know, broadly speaking, 
do you feel like maybe Knicks fans are being a little too fatalistic because of how the short term of this season has sucked? Yeah, I do. I mean, look, and I realized they started, what was it, 5-1 and one they started, right? So, you know, since then, it's been really bad, and and I get that. But, you know, overall, you know, four games over 500, it's bad, but was that out of the range of possibilities that we talked about before the season? Probably not. But, look, the season is disappointing, and I think the most disappointing for me, thing for me and what's kind of made it difficult in trying to break down exactly what's going on here, Schwinn, is we can talk about lineups and rotations and putting guys together, and I'm happy I'm on your podcast because I can curse a little bit, but how the fuck do you fix the give-a-shit factor? You yeah. know, yeah. to me, that's the problem. We could get the optimum lineups in there. We can match up the perfect guys. Oh, you're maximizing him. You're maximizing that. It works until that give a shit factor gets to where it was last year. None of that is going to matter. I mean, it, it really isn't. It's not. Look, might it matter on the margins and get you one or two more wins? All right, fine, cool. But it, it, it's not going to fix the problem. The problem is that the team has had more games in the in 30 games this year or whatever. Yeah, 30 games this year. Than they had in 72 last year, where they showed up and did not give a fuck how hard they played. Yep. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, if, if there isn't a quarter in every game, it's surprising. I mean, that's how bad it's been. And I, I don't know what the deal is with Julius Randle, because, look, I, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about him in this podcast, and we should. He's the best player on the team. And even the way he's played this year, by the way, he's still the best player on the team. Um. You know, you look at his offensive numbers, the efficiency's down, but if he was just hitting threes at the same rate he was last year, his shooting efficiency numbers would be almost literally identical. They'd be like down by a, like a like a half a percent, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they'd be almost exactly the same. So he's just not hitting his threes. Now, was that predictable to a certain extent? Yes. Did anyone think he would dip down to basically, you know, 10% down, 9% down? I think that was, I don't think we expected that. But you could live without Julius Randle's playing offense. You can live with that. What you can't live with is the fact that he has completely checked out. And I don't mean like short periods of time during games where he doesn't play play hard, he misses a rotation, walking up the court, not getting back on defense, literally standing under the basket and watching, guarding nobody as the ball gets kicked around the perimeter for a wide open three. This doesn't happen sometimes. It happens constantly. And when you put him with a low-energy defender like Fournier, and earlier in the year, and a guy like Kemba Walker, who, and I want to talk about him too, who I really do think tries hard, but just because of his you know, physical stature, he's at a disadvantage defensively. And he has an arthritic knee, right? You have no chance. So, you know, the way I look at it, your best player last year set the tone. You know, he tried hard on both ends. He worked his butt off on defense. Tom Thibodeau said it seemed like in every other press conference, he's the best conditioned athlete that on the team and one of the better conditioned athletes he's ever been around. Let me ask you, Schwinn. Has Tom Thibodeau said that once about Julius Randle this year? No, and I, I was actually going to ask you a question because you have kids. And 
I want to get your thoughts on this because this is something the answer that is yes. Yeah, like is it like I mean I know it sounds crazy, but like I watch I watch some games and like it just like it's not even because I I do watch like obviously I watch him a lot, but like when I watch him, I don't see like to me it doesn't like yes, I agree that the effort and energy defensively especially has not been there, but like when I watch him, I don't feel like I'm watching someone who doesn't care. Like I I don't think he's I it doesn't look to me like he got paid and now is just like there to collect a check. Like I don't, he isn't checked out emotionally. Yeah, right. like, I agree with right. that. Right. Like so so I don't get that sense from him. But like look, you obviously have had kids. Like, is it really possible that it's just as simple as like he just needs to get through the first few months of this fucking kid and then he'll be okay? Like, is that well, really possible? Have you seen have you seen how Alec Burks played since he had his newborn? Yeah, that was that was something he, he has not hit the broad side <laughs> of a barn since he had his kid. I mean, look, and Todd has had aside, a kid. His players dropped off too, even when he's played. No question. Yeah. So, look, could that be part of it? Yes. If I'm Julius Randle and I just signed a twenty million dollar contract, I'm probably going to have him live in nanny, and I'm probably <laughs> going to have like a place where I can sleep that's soundproof from crying baby. Now, maybe Julius is a better person than I am, and he's like, no, I want to take care of this myself, and he's trying to be a good dad. And God bless him. Good for him. And, you know, he's, like I said, a, a better person than I am. But look, that that's possible, man. Sleep's really important. If you don't get sleep, you know, it, it hurts you. So maybe that's it. It's possible because you're right. I do think he's, uh, you know, he seems to care. I think his, I, I really don't like his on-court demeanor this year, though, to be yeah, honest with I, you. I'm with you there. I don't know what's going, like, it, and you know what? Like, I will say this, like, I agree that he, like, as the leader of the team, he has to set a tone. And he's not doing a good job of setting the tone. I think that's 100% fair to say. I also think that, like, you're not doing him any favors. Like, when his... He, like, first, I don't think it's just energy right now. I also think his confidence is low. You can see that when I he's agree. taking shots. Like, he, he's not confident. He's not sure of himself. He's not playing with Especially any swagger. From three. Like, Especially from three. Yeah, I mean, like, you could see last year, for better or worse, every night he stepped on the floor, he thought, like, I'm the best player on the floor. And I and he acted like it. Like whether he was or not, he acted like it. And that makes that's a big deal. Like you it, it helps you it goes a long way. He um, thought every shot was going in every time. Yeah, and there was it didn't matter if he started a game over five, he was gonna keep shooting and he knew it would turn around eventually. And this year it feels like he misses like he missed the first two threes against Boston. And as and as soon as that happened, I was like, I knew that he was gonna need like, you know, about fifty minutes on the court to like finally get going again. And that's basically what happened. Um, but what I, what I was going to say is like, I think it's, you know, uh, Macri in his newsletter today, you know, he brought up a lot of the lineup data and how like none of the lineups with, uh, none of the combinations with Julius are positive except for one with Obi, who of course we know, uh, it's actually in the NBA bylaws. You're not allowed to play Randall and Obi for more than five minutes together. Um, but like, but like what I, I don't know what to make of any of that data because to me, it feels like one of the most biggest frustrations last year, right? Was that like, it was like, why is it that for 15 minutes, every game minimum, we are subjected to watching this horrible starting lineup and this horrible combination with Alfred Payton and everybody else that sucked. Right. And that was like a perpetual, just really, really big frustration. And this year, the frustration to me is yes, has Tibbs tried different things? Absolutely. But like, I and I, I think he was absolutely right to pull Kemba from the starting lineup. But like, I don't get how your pivot then is 
I can understand in a one-off emergency situation, you're just like, okay, I just figured this out tonight. I just want to throw Burks in there for, for one game. We'll see how it goes. Burks is not a point guard. Burks is not the guy who's going to like come in and help get that offensive unit flowing in some capacity, bring the ball up the floor with some speed, with some urgency, uh, help. Like you're just, and you're asking way too much of him. You're like, okay, now we want you to go from being like this awesome utility bench piece to being our starting point guard who also, who has to like get everybody involved, organize the offense. And then, oh, by the way, we also need you to score like 16, 17, 18 points a night. Oh, and also defend the point of attack. Like that's just asking way too much of a guy like him. Um, and he's not even, he's not a natural point guard. So like, that's one frustration for me. The other Agreed. frustration, by the way, I'm on board with all that Burke stuff a thousand percent. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I like Burks. Like I, I have a lot of time for, for him. Too. I I think that the criticism he gets a lot is more about how Tibbs is using him than like, you know, yeah, he has limitations as a player. Big Dude, fucking deal. A 35 minute a game lead ball handler. That's not what he is. Yeah. Like that, like I don't care. No. Like, I, whatever right. his issues are, I'm not that worried about them. Um, but the other frustration for me is that, like, yes, I understand Tibbs has, like, a very strong philosophy of, like, we need to have rim protection on the court at all times. I like having my bigs. Like, I get all of that. But your centers are giving you nothing. They're giving you nothing on defense, for the most part, uh, bar, like, the, the random Mitch or Noel quarter where they, like, are functioning human beings again. Uh, they're not giving you anything on – and the offense, like, last year it was bad. I think it's even worse this year. It feels like teams watched that Atlanta series and they were just like, you know what? We don't need to defend their centers because they can't do anything. They cannot do a fucking thing. And, and like the, and I, I will say this, one of the main issues to start the season is I thought we were still running our offense in a way that resembled last year's offense. Um, and maybe that's a function of Kemba wasn't, I mean, he wasn't a good point guard that Burks is a good point guard. Um, but like, I, I also think some of that is just Tibbs's lack of creativity offensively. And what that did, though, is like even when Kemba was in, it didn't feel like we were trying to create like a new offensive dynamic aside from this broad idea of like we need to shoot more threes, which is a good idea. Good job, Tibbs. Um, but like it just felt like we were watching, okay, Kemba's going to do something on offense. And then when Julius gets the ball, Julius will do his thing on offense. And there was no like cohesive, like, okay, well, this is how we want to try and use all of these various guys together. Um, one thing I, I have liked in the last couple of games, you can tell me if I'm just, you know, searching for positivity or whatever. I actually think what they have been doing with Julius has been a little bit different the last couple of games. I think he's been running a lot more dribble handoffs. I think they've been running a lot more like dribble handoffs and high screen and roll actions with him. Um, which I think is a really good development, um, both in terms of getting him, like it still gives him the idea of I'm the offensive engine, which I do think he needs for his like, look, let's be real. He has an ego, uh, like every other fucking star in the NBA. Uh, he has an ego. He has an idea of what he wanted to be. So like that, that's part of it. You're massaging it. Um, but like, I think it also gets him more in a mindset where the passing and distributing that come out of that is a lot more natural and instinctive than it is when we were watching, like, I mean, how many fucking post-ups did we see this year where it was like, he's like staring at a wide open guy, but then he takes, you know, three extra seconds before he delivers it. And then by that time, help defenders in the way or whatever it is. And it's just like, like now I, I really thought the last couple of games, it looks, I don't know if this is a conscious choice, if it was just luck or something. And maybe it was the fact that 
you know, we are shorthanded and the guy, like he, we played a certain type of, we had to play a different way or something. But like, I think that like using him in that capacity is a lot better. And the last part is if your energy is low and your effort is low and not just from Julius, but from the collective starting lineup as a team, where can you generate some energy? Where can you get that? And you watch all of these young kids that come into the game, the, 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 the guys that this front office has drafted quickly all year, Toppin all year, Bri- McBride and Grimes, and they've gotten chances. They play with energy. They play with effort. They fight over screens. They're flying all over the court on defense. They're sharing the ball. And yes, is quickly a point guard or not? I don't really care. I think that really misses the uh, entire point of why I think he should start or at least just get more minutes is like, he plays with a certain type of, you know, I don't want to say reckless abandon, but there is like an energy and verve to his play and all of these young guys where they're, they're moving off the ball and they are trying to like play off of each other. And yes, are there going to be instances where they fall flat in their faces? Of course. But I think if you play those guys more with Julius, or at least like, I mean, I think this would result in a better offense and just a better product both ends of the floor but like on top of that i just think why the fuck not like what are you so scared of because right now you're like what you like you said we started five and one so since then our record is eight and 14 or 16 eight and 16 that's brutal it's terrible so it's not like you can it's not like you're what are you what's the worst is gonna happen you're gonna lose three in a row well okay like who cares like you're already fucking losing at a rate like that anyway to build on first first of all i agree i think just the on off numbers were so stark i understood why they took kemba out of the starting lineup i got that i i I understood it i get it cool all right but i from watching every minute of every game just like you do i never thought he was the whole problem and i knew that once just taking him out it was not going to fix things and lo and behold i believe their defensive rating has been worse since they benched him than when he was playing so that's number one and i hope that and I know it's tough. I, I don't know who to take minutes from. It's very difficult. But just to improve his trade value, I do think Kemba deserves more time. Well, and luckily, COVID is uh, helping us out with that. It is. No question. <laughs> and here's my problem. And, and I had a little, like, three-tweet thread on, on a couple, couple weeks ago about this. You bring in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, right? If you're the Knicks, you understand that those guys are accomplished offensive players. They have a long stretch of time in the NBA where you know what they can do offensively. Kemba Walker, as late as last March, went through like a month's stretch where he averaged like 25 a game at like good efficiency. Evan Fournier has been at 17 plus a game for like four or five straight years. Look, we know what they can do offensively. We know they're not good defensively. So why would you bring these guys in, put them in the starting lineup, which by the way, I have no problem with as a concept, but then not let them do anything. I mean, you basically have Fournier sitting in the corner half the game. He's not handling the ball. You have no one for Kemba Walker to to, to run a pick and roll with because you're making him run screen and rolls with Nolan's Noel who can't catch or Mitchell Robinson who can't move or jump anymore. So that and still doesn't set of, screens. No, I, I know. And, and, <laughs> and, and that takes away a lot of his ability. So you're not using them offensively, which is their strength. So all you're getting is a deficiency of their defense. And – you're right. They did not design things well enough or alter how they did things offensively to take advantage of that. So 
I think if you give them more of an opportunity, and I feel like they felt empowered in that last game because no one else was around and playing, they're like, you know, hell with this, we're shooting it. And you know what? You you saw the guys that were that you thought you were getting when they came here. And I think if they get more of an opportunity, and even if that comes at the expense of some very difficult, high degree of difficulty Julius Randle shots, cool. I'm good with that. And Randle should be good with that too because he'll be a better player. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I'm completely on board with mixing the young guys in with these veterans. To me, the number one thing you have to do is get Evan Fournier and Julius Randle away from each other. Because right now, as well, and they do play off each other offensively fairly well, but defensively, they're both just so bad right now on that end. And I think if you put Fournier with other guys that have more energy, he would kind of follow along a little bit more. And maybe Randall would too. So I'm with you. I think you got to get quickly into that starting lineup. I would put Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup, and here's why. I think you want to try to get somebody in that starting lineup, Schwinn, that does not need the ball. And yes. right yep. for, for too long this year, besides the center, everyone in the starting lineup needed the ball, okay? And that's not going to work. You need somebody to play that Reggie Bullock role from last year. And Grimes is a good defender, too. So here he, he would be, and I, I, I put this in my Fix the Knicks Part 1 podcast on the bank shot a couple weeks ago. Here would be my 10-man rotation, how I would work it. For my starters, I w- just for realistic purposes, I know Tibbs isn't going to put Pop and Randall together, so I didn't make that an option <laughs> in my head. Um, so this is my realistic preferred two five-man units, all right? Starters, quickly, Grimes, Burks, Randall, and Mitch. You have a couple guys that can really spread the floor in Grimes and quickly. Burks can shoot two a little bit. Couple guys that can handle the ball outside and Burks and quickly. Grimes, who doesn't need the ball. And as bad as Mitch has been, he's still more of a threat as a lob guy than Noel, who can't catch anything. And then with the second unit, you have Rose, Fournier, Barrett, Toppin, Noel. And the re- I know Nick fans would be like, are you benching RJ Barrett? What are you thinking? Guys, I'm trying to help the guy. If you put him with the second unit, which runs a lot more, guess what? That's where he's his best self offensively, in transition. You know, he gets no transition baskets or very few with that first unit that plays a lot slower. So get him with that second group that runs a lot more. Let him run with Derrick Rose. Let him run with Obi Toppin. Let Fournier run in transition. Get some, you know, um, above the break threes, some corner threes and semi-transition. Noel can help them defensively. Yes, and him and RJ will both get on ball reps with that group. Both of them will, and you can run pick and roll with with, with Toppin. So that to me is you have to mix in the veterans that don't bring that consistent burst that you're talking about with some of the young guys. So that's why I have Grimes and quickly the first unit. I have Toppin, Barrett, and then you know Rose in his you know segments brings energy because he pushes the ball and everything. And I think that gives you a nice mix of of both together. And then my close the game unit would be Rose, Quickly, Randall, Toppin. I'm getting greedy with that. And then whomever's hot. If it's Fournier, great. If it's Barrett, great. If it's Burks, great. If it's Grimes, great. I don't care. Whichever one of those wing guys is playing well, put him in there. And if Quickly's having one of his bad shooting games, you can raise, you, uh, you can replace him with that you know, closing five as well. So 
That's what I think you have to do to mix the young, the old, the veterans, the offense, the defense. Just get a better mix of those guys together, and I think that'll help everyone play a little bit better. Um, so to your point, um, this you know Jeremy tweeted this out earlier today, uh, but he basically posted a bunch of you know various lineup combinations. Yep, I saw and off the, yeah, and the one with RJ. So RJ without Fournier, Randall, or Kemba on the floor. So basically just RJ with a bunch of bench guys. Uh, it's only seventy one minutes, but. Uh, 15.9 net rating, 120.9 offensive rating, 105 defensive rating. Um, you know, it's that is that going to play out as effectively over a longer stretch of minutes? Probably not. But also, like that, those bench units in general have been awesome. So maybe they would. Um, I agree with you in concept. I think organizationally, there's probably like no chance that they would bench RJ right now. I mean, just because it would be seen as benching him. Um, I don't think there's any way they would do it, but I, I still I still think like even if you start him with uh, a quickly and Grimes, I'm fine with that. Like that, that's fine. That, I think that's good. Um, I, him and Randall, yes, this year they haven't been great together. Last year they showed a lot of like ability to play off each other. So I don't think that's like necessarily just it's, there's no way they can work that out. I think they can work it out. I think a bigger problem is really like the center stuff is a huge deal. I, I don't know why people like, yes, Julius is a problem. Yes. You know, uh, Tibbs needs to be more creative offensively. Yes. The perimeter defenders need to be better, but like if your centers who are offensively limited, like their entire point is that you were willing to put up with their offensive limitations because they would anchor, they would give you such elite rim protection and anchor your defense and, and cover up for guys mistakes. If they're not doing that, that's a huge, that's like, I, I can't stress enough how much of a problem that is. No, it is. And on top of that, like, like I don't, I, I really struggle. Like, do I don't know if people, when I watch Julius, yes, he takes a lot of stupid shots that make me want to, you know, pull my hair out. And like, there, there's all kinds of stupid things he does. I also think he is not helped by the fact that he can't get to the fucking rim half the time. And if he does, there's going to be a, a guy waiting there for him because. They don't respect the centers we have. And then on top of it, if he tries to make like some kind of creative dump pass to Nerlens, he can't catch the fucking thing. So that that's a problem in his right. And it doesn't just affect Julius. I think you see with Randall or with RJ all the time. I think you see all the time that he when he puts the ball on the floor and drives to the rim, there are guys just waiting there. Um, I think you, you see this with literally everybody in that starting lineup at various points of the season where they look like they have a driving angle and then they turn the corner and they're like, well, fuck that guy's just waiting there for me um and you know i don't know what to make of that i i don't know if like it, to me it's like the, your defense isn't benefiting from it so at that point wh- what what is the issue in trying obi toppin at, and and randall together and I, I will leave you with this before you respond here um one thing we had set part now on the pod a few weeks ago Maybe the numbers have changed uh, by then. I don't know how how they would have gotten worse because after that, I think was when they played Toronto, and that was like one of Obi and Julius's best stretches together. Um, that unit with those two, when those two guys are on the court, they're apparently producing a 99th percentile shot quality. Yeah, I mean that's not surprising given Toppin's ability to just get a ton of dunks, and with the floor spread, Randall can get to the basket. You'll get open threes. You know, playing, you know, five out. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Look, I'm all in favor of it. You know, Toppin right now, and I think 
I think there is some hyperbole around him with, with some Nick fans that are like, oh, trade Julius Randle. You have Obi Toppin. It's like, guys, relax. Calm, calm down. Yeah, if even, ask- if, even if you want to go there, I, I just, you're not, I think you have to, that's like a, let's see how the season plays out and then we can maybe pivot type of move. Yeah. That's not a move I'm making right now because Obi played, what, 30 really fun games. Like, that's just way too aggressive. Yeah, and by the way, you have to replace Randle with another guy that can run your offense through. Because Kevin Knox! Oh my god! Don't. <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing. Look, I get Randall can be frustrating. The people he frustrates me sometimes too. He's still the best player on the team. He's still the only player besides Derrick Rose who can only do it for twenty minutes at a time per game. That can consistently get a, a shot off for himself or somebody else without help. You know, that skill in the NBA is the skill, right? That's the skill that you need. And is Randall elite at it? No. Is he good enough to be the best player on a, you know, a, a top four, top five playoff team on a normal year? No, he's not. But he's still the best one the Knicks have that can do that stuff. So they need him to get right. And maybe, you know, if you eventually package him for a trade for a star or something like that, if, if you make some type of move, yeah, you could do that down the road. That's fine. But understand that he's essential for the Knicks to be any good. Like if you just erase Julius Randle from the roster, I mean, you're looking at a bottom seven team in the league. I mean, that that's where you would be because the offense would struggle finding shots. Anyway, that was an aside. I agree with you on the centers. Uh, I would, I'm honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. Why wouldn't you be playing Taj Gibson 20 minutes a game at this point? Because you know he's going to be on the right spot on defense, and you know he's going to defensive rebound. He also talks, which is nice. Yes, hundred percent. So Mitch and Noel are just fucking mutes out there. I would consider playing him more. And, you know, and, and you're right. It's just, you know, Robinson Noel, you know, erased so much of the stuff last year. And they're just not doing it this year. You know, I thought it was a smart thing for Mitch to, you know, bulk up a little bit because I think there were games I think I thought it would be making a better rebounder. It'll make him, a, you know, um, just a guy that can handle the post a little bit better. You know, he got bullied a little bit by, you know, guys like, um, uh, you know, Jokic in, in, in years past. But – if you would have told me that extra weight meant that he couldn't get more than eight inches off the floor, I would have said, no, I'll pass on that. Thank you. So I don't know if that's his foot and all the other lower body injuries he's had and all it's just taking a toll on him. But if that's the case, Schwinn, and you're the Knicks, just sit the guy out for three weeks. I don't care. I'd rather not have him at all and get the real Mitchell Robinson a month from now than watch what I'm watching for the next four weeks. How is that helping you? It doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm with you. You know, I was never in favor of, of bringing back Nor- Norm's Noel, especially with that number. I was worried about him. Um, hopefully he can play his way into shape as he was out again most of the preseason. He, he looked a little sharper against Boston. I'll give him that. No, he did. He Yeah, and then look, he, he's still a good shot blocker. He will challenge shots. Um, and his little six-foot teardrop brings, you know, fear to my eyes and, <laughs> you know, tears to my face every time he takes it. But, you know, look, it has to get better. And that's why when people talk about trades, you know – with the where this team is, and I guess it's more of a, a of a big picture thing we could talk about now. You know, I'm really not all that concerned of like squeezing out the ninth seed or eighth seed and like getting into the playing tournament. I, I I don't care. You know, and yeah, getting Miles Turner help you win maybe four or five more games this year. Okay, great. I'm I'm really trading a young player and like two number one draft picks to do that, and that makes it much more difficult for me to land my you know two stars down the road. No, I'm sorry, I'm not. And look, I'm not saying Miles Turner's a bad player. He's a fine player. I think he'd help the team make him better. But to me, I just don't think it helps you reach reach your ultimate goal here. And I think 
I want to see where this team is in a month. And if, you know, you're in a place like this where you're sitting as the ninth or 10th worst record in the league or whatever they are, I think right now. Um, and some team wants to trade for Alec Burks. Okay. See ya. You know, I, and I think that's why you have to play Kemba. You have to play Fournier, at least in the short term. You know, they keep, even if they, they keep losing games, Schwinn, but they play as well as they did the other night when, you know, when both basically carried a team they combined for almost 60 points in the game. You know, that's going to improve their trade value. And, you know, Kemba at $8 million is still a good value on a contract. The team will take a flyer on that. You know, Fournier, you know, at 18, I thought it was a market-level contract when they made it in the offseason. Um, I've been disappointed, obviously, I think, like everyone else has. But I think if, if he starts showing what he is, I think you will find the team that will take him. And, you know, maybe you'll attach a second-round pick to him or something like that. All right, the Knicks have a bajillion of those. They have more than they could ever use, and that's fine. Well, that's the why you accumulate them, right? So. Exactly. Attach two if you have to. I don't care. Do what you have to do. So, you know, that to me is why I think in the short term, especially with all the COVID stuff, you feature Fournier, you feature Kemba Walker, let them get their trade value up. Maybe one of these teams gets an injury, they need help, and you know one of these veteran teams will end up you know trading for one of these guys. So that's that's kind of where I am short term in terms of kind of where I want the team to go and 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 what I want. To do. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallin' drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin' wherever you get your podcasts.